Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at ADCES24.org. Hello, and welcome to ADCS's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm Sasha Yulman, Director of Diabetes Education and Prevention Programs at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. Today, we're joined by Dr. Abakosian, Chief Medical Officer at the T1D Exchange, in his role, Dr. Abakosian directs the Diabetes Learning Health Network of 55 U.S. endocrinology centers. He also serves as an adjunct professor of population health at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, where he teaches graduate-level population health and quality improvement courses. Dr. Abakosian has many years of experience and research focused on diabetes health equity, quality improvement, and population health science to improve real-world outcomes. Dr. Abakosian is here today to share how you as a DCES can advance health equity in your practice and beyond. So thank you, Dr. Abakosian. Welcome to The Huddle. Thank you so much, Sasha. I'm excited to be here. I'm a big fan of The Huddle. So it's a great honor to get a chance to um, you know share a few things from my experiences. So thank you for having me. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself and why this topic is so important to you? I tell people that I feel you know, diabetes is a calling for me. You know, my journey in diabetes started more than 15 years ago. First is, it's, it's a very personal mission. I have immediate family members living with type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes. They were diagnosed with gestational diabetes. So sort of the whole government. You know, I trained as a physician, primary care physician. I've had to also care for many people in my practice with diabetes as well. So there's also sort of the physician perspective to this work. I've had the privilege of working in different spaces where I've interacted with people that have experienced a lot of the inequities in diabetes broadly. So a little over 10 years ago, I worked for a community health center in Boston um, where I was focused on really trying to improve outcomes for African-American women uh, living in public housing units with type 2 diabetes. Went on to work for the city of Boston and the walk around quality improvement, accreditation, and large-scale population health also focused on efforts around improving outcomes for people with type 2 diabetes, amongst others. And now my current role at the 2-1-D Exchange um, focused on improving outcomes for people living with type 1 diabetes and with six expanded efforts to really improve outcomes for people with type 2 diabetes. You know, one of the things that makes this topic very critical and crucial is in more than 15 years of this work and being involved in the diabetes space, one thing is very glaring that for us to actually truly improve the health of the population, we need to very intentionally tackle issues of equity and issues of disparities. So for me, there's no way for us to truly improve quality, truly improve outcomes without addressing equity. I couldn't agree with you more. And you work along with the HEAL program, the Health Equity Advancement Lab. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So the HEAL group really came up from this idea of 
we need to promote and expand best practices wherever we can find them. The goal with here of how do we actually advance health equity using best practices from other spaces. So if there's a promising practice in asthma care or in hypertension or in obesity, can we take that and bring that into the work we're doing to improve outcomes in diabetes? So we started this work, we brought a lot of stakeholders from industry, from the payer space, insurance uh, providers, and also people living with diabetes themselves. And our goal really was we want to learn what's happening within your space. And we want to be able to bring best practice outside of those spaces to think about how can we amplify what's working well. You know, I think that's one of the things I'm most excited about the work we're doing with HEAL, which is an approach that I feel it's, it's very tangible to the DCES group as we think about what can you do as relates to addressing equity. I think one of the first things I always tell folks is let's think about opportunities to you know, look at best practices, not having to reinvent the wheel. And if there's a best practice, how do we amplify and scale that in your local practice, in your local clinic, in your local setting? And that's what HEAL is all about. HEAL is about amplifying and promoting best practices and approaches. Oh, that's great. As you know, many of our audience are working in clinics and health centers across the country from community health workers and medical assistants to nurses and NPs, pharmacists, dietitians. How would you guide this diverse group of professionals to make an impact in their practice setting today? Everyone has a very strong role to play. That's why I really like that question. We all and everyone listening to this huddle now, you have a role to play. At the two one day exchange, we've published extensively on our approaches to addressing equity. And I'll sort of articulate that very briefly. You know, we have six main sort of broad things we think that can make a difference and is making a difference. And you know, we also have data to show that these outcomes are actually improving and impacting equity and reducing some of the equity gaps. So the first piece is data. And what's the role of data? Data not just to describe the problem. I think we already know there are inequities, we already know there are disparities, we already know there are gaps. Oh, one of the things that we could do better is how what else is contributing to some of those gaps? Um, we know a few things around like insurance, we know some place around um, some of the structural racism, but are there other things we can quantify contributing to this gap? And that's one of the things that I think that you know our colleagues across the country can start to do. You know, have you look at your internal system, your internal clinic data? not just to identify gaps, but to also look at what are some promising practices, you know, for people with diabetes that might be of, you know, the minoritized community in terms of being publicly insured, African-American or Hispanic or any of the other minoritized groups. We looked at the data to see those that are doing optimally well, those that are doing better than others, what's unique in terms of how they're approaching care, what's unique in terms of access, what's unique in terms of technology, and how can we take what we learn from the ones that are doing really good, how do we take that and amplify that into our routine practice? So sort of the power of data, the power of using data, and if you are caring for someone in your practice, there's some data you're generating, some data you have access to, and you can start there. Like, what's my data telling me, and how can I use that? We're using data to really sort of strengthen that. Now, the second sort of approach we've taken to this issue is really amplifying your role as 
a gatekeeper or have defined your role as someone that has power and authority in making recommendations. You know, the DCES all across the country are key stakeholders in really sort of helping make referrals and making recommendations on who should get a certain technology or who should not, or how we even educate the people that come in through our clinic doors regarding certain technology. So we've done a lot of work to really show the role of implicit bias, implicit bias as a caregiver, implicit bias as a member of the care team. And I think that's the second broad sort of approach is think about your practice, think about your work, think about the process at which you recommend technology and how do you make those recommendations? You know, are there anything intentionally or not intentionally that might be creating some bias in that work there? And, you, and you know, you're welcome to read more about some of our findings and our studies and some practical approaches we think you can use to reduce, reduce those bias. And then the third piece is there's a very strong role in quality improvement science. We believe in the power of testing small changes. So you can think about, yes, this is the problem. Yes, these are potential contributors. What can you do about that? And there's something you can do today, tomorrow. You can test a small change. You can test a small change on how you do a referral. You can test a small change on how that referral is expanded. You can test a change on many issues. And when you bring out that quality improvement science, what we call the plan, do, study, act cycle, or any of the other models that you might be comfortable with, you can use those models to try something in clinic. If it works, you expand it. If it doesn't work, that's okay. You can go back and try something different. And you can read more as well on our website on other ways you can do this as as some of the things we've been successful in doing as it relates to that. And then what's the role of learning from others, benchmarking, you know, and that's sort of like our fourth approach. It's thinking about your colleagues across the country. So you have a friend in Ohio, you have another diabetes educator, a DCES in Arizona or a DCES in Phoenix or in, in New York. And can you share best practices with them? Can you share insights into this is what's happening in my clinic as it relates to this group? This is what I've done. Can I learn from you? What are you doing differently? And sort of the beauty of benchmarking, you can do that on a small scale. You can do that on a large scale. You can do that in a regional space. You know, that's why I really sort of appreciate platforms like the huddle because now we're learning from others. We gain from others. And, you know, hopefully some of the insights that we're sharing can also sort of spur up those. And in the rest of our paper, we articulate other approaches, including our work in here, which I talked about earlier. But the other piece I'll wrap up with is the importance of ensuring that we have people most impacted on the table. We need the ideas. We need their recommendations. We need to co-produce solutions with them. So it's not just about you having the knowledge and expertise, but it's also about their own experiences, their lived experiences, how they've navigated the process, how they've navigated your system. Gather those insights from them and learn about whatever it's unique or different and use that, all of those insights in thinking about the changes you can make to your local practice or local clinic. These are all things that um, our programs really should be incorporating into their work. They're required to do a CQI project every year. So this is right in their expertise. And a lot of them do use the PDSA model. And I think what really rang strong was you talking about the technology bias and they might not feel like 
they have a strong impact. But if they even can look at the data and really do small things to push and move that needle a little bit further to make sure people are getting equitable access to that technology. What about the people in our audience who do have an official role or voice in decision making? What are some things that they can do today to make an impact? The beauty of this is if you have some sphere of influence with five people or with 10 people or with 20 people, that begins to sort of help in the overall conversation. And that's the beauty of starting small. One of the main sort of ideas that we found to be successful, it's the old concept around shared decision making. And shared decision making involves you and the person in front of you, you and the patient you're caring for, you and the family member of the child that you're caring for. And, you know, the beauty of that is we have that conversation with the patient and these are the options. These are the things to consider. You know, these are the things I want you to think about. And I want you to be involved in making this decision together. So it's not just my recommendation and that's it. You have a voice and I want to partner with you and then the next piece is there's always a role to sort of test something small and then think about how you bring the data to the key decision maker. So if you start a project in your local clinic and yes, you only have influence on your clinic that happens on Tuesday afternoons or on Monday evenings or you know whenever that's happening. But you've noticed that, well, there are some certain processes or procedures that can be changed, can be amplified. That's a space too where you can start small, gather the results, see what impact or difference you're making, and then share that with the decision makers on, look, I tried this with just 20 patients, with just 10 patients, and this is what I found, and I think that perhaps we can look at this. And then the last sort of comment on this is to think about what are certain policies within your institution or processes. They might not always be fully documented policies. Some of them might be sort of informal processes, like this is how we do business here. So for example, in course of the work we do, we one of the sites we work with, they had a, a policy where they wouldn't offer technology to people with A1Cs greater than 9%. And they had a, you know, a, a rationale and a justification for that. Now, everyone sort of like, that was sort of like the no. But you as a DCS has the power to like, well, you know, even sort of bring that up at a meeting or bring that up at, you know, staff meeting or a ground round, like, oh, you know, wait a minute, let's think about this policy. Let's think about this practice. And let's sort of think about how this policy or practice might contribute to the inequities we might be seeing in our data. And can we, are we open to sort of testing and trying out a change or stopping this policy or practice you know, for a week, for two weeks, and see if it makes a difference, right? So you have a voice to identify those potential practices that might be leading to inequities. You have a voice to test new change. But more importantly, you have a voice to help encourage patients to um, be a self-advocate and to be involved in that shared decision-making towards this broad goal. It's going to take a village. Yeah, I think it's asking sometimes people are going to be stepping a little out of their comfort zone, but... Asking questions can be uncomfortable, but I think you're spot on is that sometimes we just assume these things. What are some final thoughts you want to share? This is so many useful pearls of wisdom here, and I think our members can really take action today. It sounds like there's a lot of things you've mentioned that they can do. 
What are some final thoughts you want to share? There's a role for advocacy and there's a role for us to also use a voice to speak to members of, you know, the legislature in our state. So and speak to council members, speak to hospital leadership. You know, I feel that our work needs to also move beyond just what's happening in the clinic and the practices there. You know, one of the things that we're also encouraging is use your voice as an individual, use your voice as a member of the community to also advocate for these broad policy changes So I do think it's important for us to think about this issue from multiple lens. You know, there's what we can do as individuals. There's what we can do as a clinic or as a a healthcare institution. But then there's also things we can do as a society. And you have a role to play in all of those three. So I encourage our members to sort of think about those different lenses, those different spaces. And then finally, action. Do something today. Do something tomorrow. I think a lot of these conversations, sometimes it might feel intimidating on where to start, but I tell people, just start somewhere, just that maybe the next piece you might just decide to do is, well, you know, my action step would be, I'm going to look into my data to identify if there are these inequities or identify if there are, you know, good performers or identify if there are best practices within my data that can support things to be amplified, right? So that, that, that might be where you might start from. Or you might decide that, well, my action step is I'm going to reach out to my colleagues in, you know, other parts of the city or other parts of the state to benchmark my performance with them and see if I can learn from them, right? So it's come up with something tangible of all the potential ideas and take one action. Take a baby step tomorrow, take a baby step on Tuesday or next week, Thursday, and then amplify it from there. And I think once we get started, and have that momentum, which over time, we sort of see some of the difference. So there's hope, there's optimism, but there's a lot more work we have to do. And it's going to take all of us as a village to move this needle forward. Absolutely. I think of our programs out there and thinking of their um, CQI projects and what they can do to make a difference and close those gaps. I think they can do it one patient at a time, but they can also you know, we're always encouraging them to look at their data and compare their data of who they're seeing to even their local data to see, are we seeing the population we should be serving that are impacted by diabetes? And then how do you close that gap? I know that was something we always saw when I was working in DSMES, is there was a gap between who had diabetes in my community, but who we were serving um, wasn't always that same mix. And so it was always an effort to say, how do we make this match a little bit better? We should be seeing more people in certain populations because of the diabetes impact. And so they can, they even have that in their power to do it a global way. And then I know we're going to have some notes in the show notes here for some resources from T1D Exchange and then ADCES Advocacy. Um, I'm sure your organization does like ours, makes it real easy to advocate for certain things as they come up. So you can just sign off on a letter or oftentimes you can said your own letter, but use use one as a guide that we've provided. I love that, Sasha. And I think we need to do more of that. We need to be continue to be united as a voice and we can move the needle and we are moving the needle. And I think collectively we can do more to really change the face of diabetes in the country. Absolutely. Any additional thoughts before we close? No, I just thank you again to you and the team and I'm grateful for the platform and the opportunity to be able to share. And as always, I encourage folks 
let's come together, let's work towards a united front, and let's continue to move, move this conversation forward. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Huddle. Make sure to download the resources discussed on today's episode. You can find them linked in the show notes at adces.org forward slash perspectives forward slash the dash huddle dash podcast. And remember, being an ADCES member gets you access to many resources, education, and networking opportunities. Learn about the many benefits of ADCES membership at adces.org forward slash about dash us forward slash membership. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.